Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! going on guys welcome back to wrestle rant radio for thursday september 30th 2021 i'm graham gs and matthews hope you guys are doing well and having a great week and ahead of the wwe draft this coming friday and next monday on raw we got wwe superstar angelo dawkins here on the show today to talk all about the draft his history with the draft his recent stint on smackdown and so much more in addition to the usual conversation with mr marceau breaking down the extreme rules pay-per-view from last sunday raw on monday dynamite from wednesday and everything else going on in the world of wrestling from the last week we'll get into all that momentarily but you can check out new episodes of the show every single thursday on wrestlerant.com wrestlerantradio.com itunes stitcher spotify TuneIn radio iHeartRadio. radio uh Google Podcast and Podbean. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode every single Thursday. But before we get to Mr. Marceau, like I said, to the second half of the show, let me introduce right now my guest for today's show. Very special exclusive interview with WWE Superstar, one half of the Street Profits, and former NXT Tag Team Champion, SmackDown Tag Team Champion, and Raw Tag Team Champion, Angelo Dawkins. All right, what's going on, guys? Graham, G.S. and Matthews here with Fansided Daily DDT ahead of the WWE Draft Night 1 this Friday night on SmackDown on Fox. Today we're talking again, or we're talking with one half of the former Raw SmackDown NXT Tag Team Champions, Angela Dawkins. Angela, what's going on, my man? Oh, man, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing great, dude. Obviously, we got the draft in 48 hours from when we're speaking right now, but just three days ago, you were at Extreme Rolls, you and Montez Ford. Great match with the Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Of course, you guys didn't come out with the championships, but still, stealing the show. What were your thoughts on the match? Uh, I thought, you know, it was a good match. You know, we went out there. I, I felt like I let my boy down. Uh, Friday, I had a prior engagement that I had to honor and the Usos and the Bloodline took advantage of a nice little (laughs) 3-1 advantage and uh, that ended up paying the price for Sunday and they took advantage of his injured ribs which they injured on Friday but other than that I'm happy with the match I'm pissed that we lost but Yeah, well, still on the show, nonetheless, like you said, I mean, you guys make magic every single time you guys are in there with the Usos, so win, lose, or draw, it was a a great match regardless, but of course, looking ahead of the WWE Draft this coming Friday and next Monday on Raw Mm -hmm. USA Network, um, it's, you know, it's an interesting time, always unpredictable for WWE, you and Montez know the draft very well over the last couple of years, which we'll get into, Um, nervous, excitement, what are you feeling going to the draft on Friday, not knowing where you might end up? I go more excited, you know. Um, we've been on Raw before. We've had success on Raw. Uh, we've obviously been on SmackDown. We've had success here. So, like, anywhere that we go, I mean, we're excited. Yeah. All three brands, you guys have held the championships in all three brands over the last couple of years. And like you said, SmackDown. Triple being no crowd? Success. What was that? 
Triple Crown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of only two teams ever to hold all three set of tag team titles within a year and a half of each other, nonetheless, either, which is pretty cool as well. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it before. Last Friday night on SmackDown, Montez had a fly solo. You had a prior engagement. He went up against Roman Reigns. Great showing there. After a match like that, Montez flying solo, you see that for one week. Um, obviously, you guys reunited two days later at Extreme Rules, but you see something like that. Does that make you nervous? There is a chance that you guys could be split up in the draft. It's happened before. It could happen again. Or are you guys confident that you're going to remain a unit regardless of where you go? Uh, I mean, hey, we're confident. Mm-hmm. We're two confident individuals. I mean, no matter what happens, wherever we go, if we go as a tag, who we gonna dominate? If we go where we where we end up having to go solo. Hey, Ted's gonna go do his thing, and I'm gonna go do my thing. We still gonna be brothers in the end. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned before how you guys were on Raw before you know jumping to SmackDown in last year's draft. Being on both brands for an ample amount of time, do you have a preference between the two? Some people say you know that they they bleed blue. They're SmackDown people. They enjoy Raw, but they're kind of more partial to SmackDown or vice versa. Um, in your last two years on the main roster, have you been partial to one show or the other a little bit? Uh, no, I don't think, like, wherever we go, I got love for both brands, honestly. I mean, SmackDown and being on Fox and being in that, uh, being on that platform and just being on a Friday is awesome. Just getting the weekend started and then being on Monday just to be, be able to, be everybody's start of the week to entertain and mm-hmm. just to have fun. I mean, I got love for both brands. So wherever we go, we'll be good. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And especially, too, with the draft, like I mentioned, you guys have a history with the draft going back two years ago, not even including last year, which we'll get to in a moment, but two years ago, WWE draft was when you guys were officially called up um, to the Monday Night Raw roster. You guys were already kind of appearing on the show weekly, doing the backstage segments, but it wasn't until the draft that you guys officially got the call up to the Raw roster. So talk about that. What was that experience like for you, getting that, you know, you, you talk about the draft and in other sports as well, football, and for you guys, it meant the official call up to the grand stage of being Monday Night Raw. So what was that like for you? Uh, it was a, just a moment of just reflection at that point in time, but a bit of reflection and happiness. Reflection of all the hard work we put in at NXT and all the grinding we did at the Performance Center to make this e- make this opportunity even possible to be in the position to get drafted to Raw and just happiness just all around just to be able to like all right we finally did it now the work don't stop here we got to keep going and just being able to prove the people that draft us right by. Uh, letting them know they made a right decision and drafted the Street Profits. Mm-hmm. And in going to Raw two years ago, I mean, you like I said, you guys were already appearing on the show on a weekly basis, um, but by that point, did you have an idea that you guys were Raw-bound? I mean, by that point in time, it looked like you guys were headed to Raw, but it wasn't 100% confirmed. Um, did you kind of, was that a foregone conclusion for you, or was it like a much of a surprise as it was for the rest of us? Uh, I feel like we ended up, it was a chance we could have ended up on SmackDown, I believe, at that point in time. Mm-hmm. It was like we could have ended up anywhere. We could have still been an NXT at that point in time, too, just still making appearances on Raw. <laughs> and, but, uh, I mean, at that point in time, it was like, okay, it, it made sense because mm-hmm. we were on Raw all this time, and then finally we get drafted by Raw. It was only fitting that we get drafted by Raw since we've been on there 
for, I don't know what, a month at that time, month and a <laughs> half, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it felt like it was the, it was the right choice at that time, but we, we were expecting to either go to SmackDown or still be at NXT, so like, it was a bit of a surprise as well. So what about last year's draft? Compare that to last year's draft. Because not only were you guys drafted to SmackDown, but at the time you were drafted, you guys were the Raw Tag Team Champions, which I don't think has ever happened before. So when you see your names pop up, how shocked are you to see that yourself drafted to SmackDown along with Montez, considering you're the fact that considering the fact that you're one half of the Raw Tag Team Champions at that point? Uh, we were really shocked at that point in time. But like, because at first I remember when the New Day got drafted. To Raw, I was like, ooh, we about to go up against the New Day on Raw. Okay, cool. And then they was like, oh, Street Prophecy SmackDown. We was like, oh, all right, I guess we're going to SmackDown. Sweet. Cool, let's go. So, I mean, we had the uh, the title swap with the New Day. And, uh, I mean, it made it funny because, like, Survivor Series, literally three, four weeks later, we ended up wrestling the New Day team that we swapped titles with <laughs> yeah so like in in a way we're kind of like raw and smack down tag team champions at that time yeah i mean still you guys never we never act- lost the raw tag team champion exactly i was just about to say you guys never actually lost the raw tag team title so if you do end up raw in this upcoming draft and switch shows for the third straight year that's obviously something you guys can go after but you know you talk about that i forgot the, the timeline there but you mentioned it the raw uh you know the new day went to raw first followed you guys going to smackdown a couple of days later but what's that atmosphere like backstage not only for you but kind of just for everyone uh you know ready to see their name pop up in whatever show what's that atmosphere backstage like at the wwe draft shows from what you've experienced so far oh the atmosphere is just is chill nice and calm Everybody, everybody's ready for wherever they go, ready for the opportunity and just chomping at the bit to be able to go out there and prove that their draft, the the draft pick that that said brand made was the right choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To prove them right. Say, y'all made a right choice in drafting me, you know what I'm saying? So now I'm about to go out here and handle business. Yeah, and you guys were definitely an example of that, being the SmackDown Tag Team Champions right from the get-go last year. And, I mean, obviously, wherever you go, you want to end up on the same show as uh, Montez, of course, being, you know, being drafted as a unit. Beyond Montez and probably Bianca as well, you guys just being one giant trio, beyond those guys, what about anyone else on the roster that you want to end up on the same show on? As far as, like, backstage friends or someone that you want to be able to see again that was on Raw that you can't see right now being on SmackDown, is there anyone specifically that you want to end up on the same show as coming out of this draft? Uh, gotta go with Viking Raiders. Okay. For one, you know, you know, Viking Prophet Brothers. <laughs> uh, Viking Raiders, I would be cool. Uh, Ricochet. Okay. We go way back as well. Uh, RK Bro. Mm-hmm. I just really want to be around for the uh, the interactions for Riddle and Randy, <laughs> just because I just laugh every time Riddle talks and Randy's just looking at him like, "Bruh." <laughs> yeah. He don't even say it. He just does the whole hand motion, zip it, throw away the key. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. That, that would yeah. be a cool little backstage. Mm-hmm. Uh, gotta, I gotta go with uh, gotta go with Big E. Go E. 
I mean, he was on SmackDown. Now he's on Raw. Yep. He's WWE champion now. But Big E in the New Day, and we had our little backstages with them. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it right there, but my next question for you, teams that you guys still want to get in the ring with, because in the last two years, you guys have mixed it up with quite a few teams. You mentioned the New Day last year at Survivor Series. If you end up on the same show coming out of this draft, you can run it back again. Uh, whether it be the New Day again, the Viking Raiders running that back, you mentioned RK Bro, maybe, you know, Reunited Hurt Business, that could be among the choices as well. I mean, we kind of saw that on Raw this week. Oh, yeah, Hurt Business. Yeah. Hurt Business is back. <laughs> I'd love to get in there with Shelton and Cedric. That'll be fun. Yeah, you guys just missed each other last year, right? Because didn't they kind of come around around the time that you guys went to SmackDown? Yep, sure did. Nice. They were wrestling the New Day for the Raw Tag Team Champions to see who was going to face us as survivors here. We were, <laughs> we were ready for either one. Yeah. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. And now that they're back, hopefully as of Monday's Raw, obviously that's yet to be confirmed. But from what it looked like on Monday, it looked like we got the Hurt Business back, which would be awesome to see you guys in the ring with them. Um, and kind of going back to NXT for a second, we you know talked about being on NXT before arriving on Raw. Uh, you, Angelo, I mean, you were on NXT for such a long time before arriving on the Raw roster. You were part of one of the first episodes of NXT when it was still kind of what it turned into before 2.0. Um, seeing it evolve into what it is now with NXT 2.0, your thoughts on the evolution of NXT watching from afar now, not being in that locker room, but seeing what it's, you know, kind of turned into with the vibe and whatnot and, and what you've kind of noticed on that front. Oh, man, I love it. I love the fact that they're uh, changing it and because things have to evolve and they're they're making new stars and evolving along with it as well. Mm-hmm. And coming then knowing how it was when, it first, when NXT first made the transition from FCW to Orlando at the Performance Center and seeing what it was at that time and seeing it continue to grow, continue to grow, keep the ball moving, continue to grow and just produce more more and more superstars. I think NXT 2.0 is, is taking it to a whole nother level with it. I mean, you got stars like Braun Breaker, MSK, Hit Row, Toxic Attraction, uh, mm-hmm. Tommaso, being the veteran there, uh, Johnny Gargano, Dexter Loomis, him being married now, which is <laughs> probably one of the funniest things ever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, just watching those superstars uh, just just continue to evolve and improve and just make NXT 2.0 what it is right now, that's looking really good. Yeah, we, we don't know what the extent that NXT is going to have in this draft, whether they're going to be included or not. Officially, it doesn't look like they will be, but it's always possible. I mean, like you said, I mean, two years ago, you guys were drafted from NXT to Raw, so anything can happen. But let's say a tag team or a single star, whoever was to be drafted from NXT to whatever show you guys end up on. Who is someone that you want to get in the ring with from NXT in the immediate future, if it were to happen? Hmm. Uh, you know, in a... I go with I go with the mix of MSK and Hit Row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two terrific teams. I think so, either match would be great. Um, you know, but kind of going back oh, to yeah. yeah, but what you mentioned earlier. I mean, you guys are among only two teams, I believe, ever, and I could be wrong on this. The hold. Raw, SmackDown, NXT Tag Team Title Gold. Like you said at the beginning, Angelo, Triple Crown Champion. What's that going to be like for you? Not only accomplishing that goal, but you guys did it in such a short span of time. From like. 
June of 2019 or whatever it was. I was at that show, TakeOver 25. It was such a great moment here in Connecticut. All the way to when you guys were kind of, uh, you know, awarded the SmackDown tag titles from the Raw tag team titles. What was it like accomplishing such a goal in the span of, what, like 15 months or something like that? 15, 16 months. Oh, wow. I I know. I know it was pretty fast. I didn't know it was that fast. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I mean, it's it's awesome to be able to uh, have those accomplishments, to be able to accomplish something that uh, that probably a lot of people didn't expect. Um, it was it was an awesome thing to accomplish. Me and Tez just both looked at each other like, yo, we really got something going here. I'm like, I was like, yo, we triple crown, we won NXT, SmackDown, and Raw Tag Team Champions. I mean, look, man. The sky's the limit. The sky's still the limit. We we hungry to get our tag team titles back, you know. Uh, but it's 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 an honor to be one of the two teams mentioned mm-hmm. in the Triple Crown family. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully, there's more to come. But it's it's really awesome to be in that in that uh, category of accomplishments. Yeah, and having conquered all of that, having accomplished all that, which is just awesome, especially in such a short span of time, being on the main roster in NXT and whatnot. Uh, you mentioned regaining the gold, again, regardless of what show you're on, whether it's the Bloodline on SmackDown or you know uh, whatever team is going to be holding the Raw Tag Team titles by the time that you guys get there, if it were to happen in this upcoming draft. Um, are there any other goals for you, either as a single star or as a tag team with Montez, that really stand out to you that you want to accomplish at some point down the road? Oh. Uh, I mean, just continue to stack up on gold, mm-hmm. continue to win championships, you know, uh, you also got the goal of being one of, uh, not one of just the best tag team in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to, we want to be number, number one. Uh, that's all we're focused on right now. Uh, we haven't really thought much of singles, but I mean, if we do, if it ever happens, we got aspirations of being on top. You know what I'm saying? Both of us. They can be champions and simultaneously. Yeah. Each other no matter what. Yeah. Huh? I was going to say, you guys can be champions simultaneously on both brands if it comes to it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the last couple of questions for you, man. Obviously, with the draft coming up and, you know, having seen people been called up from NXT while you were with NXT, like in that first draft five years ago, Finn Balor going to the main roster, being selected by Raw in like the first round or whatever it was. Um, do you have any favorite draft memories that you weren't involved in? Also, favorite WWE draft memories from what you can recall and any favorite sports draft memories as well because I know you're a big sports guy. Uh, I mean... Favorite sports draft memories? I definitely gotta go with. Uh, I definitely gotta go with uh, Eli Manning refusing to play for the Chargers when he got drafted <laughs> uh, and getting traded to the Giants. That's that's one. Um, also, also, uh, I have to go with 2016 when we were at the Performance Center when Finn. And all other uh, all the other NXT guys got drafted, mm-hmm. and uh, that was just being there to support them, man. You know what I'm saying, see them go because I've been around them for a while, and we train together and stuff like that. So being able to see them uh, achieve their dreams and achieve their goals and finally make it to getting drafted was awesome to awesome to see. For sure, so man. I'll go with those. 
Yeah, no, it was such a great moment. Like you said, just I remember the videos going up of all the people being drafted and your guys' reaction, which was cool. Uh, completely random, but I know you said a couple of weeks ago, I think WWE.com was interviewing you guys about who you guys seeing going all the way in this upcoming NFL season, you know, right now. Uh, you said the Bengals, and at this point, they're 2-1 and one in, the, in the season, so is that still your pick to go all the way to the Super Bowl? Of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, look, the only thing I'm upset about with the Bengals right now that they let me down week two because then I had to hear Montez and Seth Rollins talk a bunch of crap about how good the Bears are, which now we see that ain't the case. Oh, man. Yeah, that's but the Bengals, oh, we right there. We we right there. Two and one? <laughs> Let's go. Well, hopefully, hopefully they can go all the way and win that Super Bowl goal like you and Montez, hopefully becoming tag team champions once again in the near future. But first, we got the draft on Friday, SmackDown, uh, Fox, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 7 Central. Angela, thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate it, and best luck with everything going forward, dude. Oh, thanks for having me. Big thanks to Mr. Dawkins for his time talking all things WWE Draft and so much more. Be sure to check out the article version of that interview over on Daily DDT as of tomorrow. Should be up before SmackDown on Friday night. But with all that being said, speaking of the draft, we're going to have a lot to talk about with the draft, Extreme Rules, Raw, Dynamite, and so much more with Mr. Marceau. So let's throw it to my conversation with the one and only Mr. Marceau, RJ, right now here on WrestleRant Radio. We got a new AEW TNT champion. The Hurt Business is back, baby. We got a WWE draft coming up uh, tomorrow as we speak and on Monday as well. It's a very uh, yet another newsworthy week, Mr. Marceau. A lot to break down. What's going on, brother? A lot to break down. I can't wait to go over it. And that's not even including not-so-extreme rules from Sunday, which overall, I'm going to be honest with you, I might be one of the few that, that feels this way. A pretty decent show. I enjoyed the show, except for that awful, awful ending and some of the stuff in the middle, but we'll get to that. An above-average Raw on Monday. Dynamite last night, a bit of a tribute show to uh, Brody Lee. And like I said, we're going to save the draft stuff probably for the end before SmackDown tomorrow, Raw on Monday, Part 1 and Part 2, respectively. A lot of brand changes I could see happening, changing the landscape of both red and blue brands, so we'll get into all of it. As well as Leo Rush also came out of retirement, too. We haven't talked about that yet. I haven't mentioned that. I mean, what's he, like the thrower right now? It's just like the 10th time he retired? I don't care. Is it more retirements than Terry Funk or thrill ride? I'm not sure. I, I, I honestly, I wouldn't, like, think it was like, he came back for that battle royal, and then he was like, oh, I'm definitely retiring, and then all of a sudden he's like, I'm back now, like, and I like Leo Rush, but like the whole like retiring, coming back, like is this? I don't know. It's just like you either retired or not. You can't just like have one foot in, one foot out, because then no one could trust you. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like I don't know. I haven't really followed his work a ton since he left WWE or got released a few years ago, about a year and a half ago. But you know, he was in Ring of Honor for a little while before showing up in WWE. I don't know if he burned a bridge there, but he kind of made the jump to WWE. Obviously burned a few bridges there, spoke out when he probably shouldn't have, even though he was right in certain cases. I mean, right from the get-go, literally within like a month or two of getting hired, the guy was <laughs> blasted on Twitter. Remember that Oscar comment? No one's ready for Oscar, or no one's ready for Emma or whatever after uh, Emma got fired. I guess she wasn't ready for Oscar, I think the tweet was. You know, people just really didn't like him after that. Uh, that happened, and then a couple of other stuff along the way. Uh, taken off TV, put back on TV, released... He was in MLW for a cup of coffee, went over to New Japan. I thought he signed over there. I guess not. Out of retirement again. And uh, he's back with uh, AEW. So excited to see him there, but it is a bit questionable as far as his track record. How long is he going to last? 
we will soon see. But we'll get into Leo Rush and Dynamite in a little bit. I do want to start off with Extreme Rolls from Sunday. Uh, probably the oldest thing that happened at this point. Um, like I said, overall, a good show. He did open the event with an impromptu six-man tag team match. The entire New Day, Biggie, Kofi, and Woods taking on Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, and Omos with Biggie pinning Bobby for the win. And I enjoyed the match. I thought it was a great match. Uh, Biggie pinning Bobby, I was not a grand fan of just because they were setting up the championship rematch for the next night. I realized why they did it, but I hate even to say to pin AJ Styles, but at this point, I feel he's more expendable than Bobby Lashley. Uh, but still, I thought this was a great match to kick off the show with, even though they definitely should have advertised it in advance. Yeah, it was kind of weird how they threw this together last minute, and then Bobby losing, it just made... I get what they did to, I guess, set up Monday, but in, when you just have like Bobby win and beat like Woods or or Kofi, and then you can set up a rematch, I just think beating... Beating Bo- Biggie beating Bobby just didn't make a lot of sense, and then like, oh yeah, we're gonna give you a title match tomorrow night too. Now, like, he be- technically we beat him twice, and that like, I guess it's a tag match. It's a little bit different, but they definitely should have advertised it. And it was kind of weird how it was last minute in the whole setup. Well, let me mention this right off the bat as well. Not only did we have the WWE Championship rematch the very next night on Raw, which you would think the roles would be reversed there. We would get the six men on Raw and the championship match on a pay-per-view, but this is WWE, and they want to boost ratings for Raw. I think the rating was down this week, although I did think the show was better than usual. Um, so not only that, but Bobby lost to Big E when he lost the championship. You know, he was pinned there. He was pinned on Sunday. He was pinned on Monday this week. He was pinned in that triple threat match a week ago on Raw with Roman Reigns and uh, Big E. He was pinned by Roman Reigns. So that's four losses in the matter of a couple of weeks, and you know he's going to take a fifth loss come Crown Jewel when he very likely faces Goldberg. Yeah, I mean, he's lost a lot lately. Um, he was protected very well, but like since he's lost the belt, or like you said, the last week and a half, he's lost so much. It's just going against Goldberg. I mean, I'm glad it's not for the title, but he's easily going to lose. Yeah, maybe that's why they did the title change with Biggie when they did to kind of prevent that being for the championship. I guess they could have done a non-title, but for Bobby to lose when he was champion, because you know Goldberg's going to win, uh, would have been dumb. So, I mean, I hate the fact that he's losing anyway. Unless Bobby goes to SmackDown and gets a fresh start over there, we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Um, I thought the Usos versus the Street Profits for the SmackDown Tag Team titles was a great match and probably one of the better matches in the entire show. These two teams work amazingly well together. I thought this was great stuff. And keeping the belt on the Usos was the uh, the right call. So what say you? Yeah, I thought this was a great match. I think the Usos are just one of the best teams in, in the world. I mean, they're great. Uh, Street Profits are good as well. I think they had great chemistry, great heel, babyface dynamic. I think everything else was set up correctly and... I thought Usos had to go over here, keep the momentum uh, with them being basically Roman's flunkies and got to keep them strong. If you have the, like, you can't really have, I feel like I hate when there's like a champion that has a group and like the guys in his group are just a bunch of losers or just, I don't know. It doesn't like, it doesn't make them like credible at all. If like, he, like, I don't know. I just feel like it happens all the time. Like they have backup or something like that and they're all losers. It's like, why would you ever take them seriously? Or like why whoever they like, if they attack someone, they should immediately get their ass kicked. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that they won here and kept them strong and make them seem like a big deal. Yeah, especially after already doing the match twice on TV. I think they lost both times by DQ. So they needed a clean win here. They got that great match. Um, so they also teased on SmackDown, I believe, a week ago. Alpha Academy, Otis and Chad Gable stepping up for a shot of the tag titles. Now, this could change in the upcoming draft. They could very well break up Alpha Academy because that's what WWE does. Um, do you see them being the next team to get a shot of the tag team titles coming out of this pay-per-view? 
Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, something new. They haven't gone for the titles to my knowledge yet. I thought they're the most plausible team now. It doesn't seem like the Mysterials would be doing anything. Rude and Ziggler are basically enhancement talent at this point. And they really don't have any other teams that go for the belt, so I would do Alpha Academy next. Yeah, and I think it would be a great match. They really haven't done anything recently to earn the shot, but, I mean, if you can give them another win or two, this is WWE. They're contenders with within a couple of weeks. I mean, I know there's no power rankings in this company like there isn't like there is in AEW, which they're finally utilizing correctly, and that was a big you know uh, issue of mine with the AEW power rankings for a long time. But, no, I thought this was well done. Uh, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Raw Women's Championship, a much better match than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. They haven't really gone into a lot of the supernatural stuff in the last couple of weeks, which I appreciate because it's just... It's not for me, pal. It's not for me. Um, I think Alexa Bliss does a great job with the character, but the supernatural stuff itself, I just feel like it's not befitting of a champion. Um, I feel like putting the belt on her here, even though she's been undefeated all year, which is worth noting, would have been the wrong call. People can say whatever they want about Charlotte, but you know can, she consistently brings the best out of her opponents for the most part. That Nia Jax match a couple of weeks ago was terrible. At least they had a bit of a better match the next week after that. Uh, but no, this was really good. I think this was only like the second ever match these two have ever had, with the first being at Survivor Series like four years ago in one of those brand supremacy matches. So um, I enjoyed this. Charlotte wins clean. I was ready to praise everything about this segment until we got what we got afterward, which saw Alexa Bliss foam from the mouth seemingly be written off the show. And we found out later on from PW Insider and other sources that Bliss was uh, this was intended to be a write-off of the Alexa Bliss character for the foreseeable future to go get sinus surgery or something along those lines. So um, if this was the end for her for now, I think that's great. But the way they wrote her off with Lily getting ripped up, I mean, that was great. I don't know why they chanted, thank you, Lily. They should have been chanting, thank you, Charlotte. Um, but, you know, beyond that, the whole the foaming thing, not even working, it just looked goofy as all hell. So what were your two cents on this, Mr. Marceau? I thought the match itself was great. I, you said I think Alexa does great with the character. The less supernatural stuff, the better. But she's, I think she's great in the ring, or good enough to pass as a good wrestler. She's one of their top six women they have in the company. I feel like she, besides the four horsewomen, her and Oscar are probably the next two uh, that build up a good reputation, credible uh, women in the company. So I thought it was good. Like you said, the ending was like, if they just ripped up Lily and she just moved on with her day and she was like, crying whatever the whole foaming stuff though was absolutely terrible um big alexa guy here but i I mean it was awful like she was wailing and you could clearly see like some kind of tablet or on her tongue like Mm -hmm. trying to foam and it just like it just came off terrible and i don't really get it it just like i said charlotte should just have ripped up lily and alexa should have been upset and left like the whole foaming of the mouth thing just kill it for me unfortunately yeah it just was not good but i mean there's been a lot of speculation that this could have marked the end of the alexa bliss supernatural character do you think it is do you think when she comes back she's going to be the alexa bliss of old because charlotte kind of made note of that in several post-match interviews uh for you know the website and whatever so uh do you think this was it for this bliss character or is there more to come you think i mean obviously i want it to end but what do you think i i hope so i mean i don't mind the character I just hate the whole supernatural stuff. Um, but if she went back to like the five feet of fury, I, I would be more, more of a fan of that or something, or some kind of variation of that. The whole, basically the fiend 2.0 as she's been has just been awful. Well, I think 
she doesn't have to, <clears throat> I don't think she has to completely abandon the character. I think if she does like a, like you said, a hybrid of kind of like her old, her old persona and her current persona, honestly, something along the lines of what we got on Raw a week ago, because I thought that Alexa's playground segment or whatever you want to call it was really good. Um, like she didn't rely on the supernatural shit. Lily, I don't even know if it was in the segment. Um, and if she was, they kind of kept it to a minimum, but you know, no camera tricks, no bullshit, just a straight up talking segment. And it was great. Just a kind of a war of words between the two. So if we could see more of that Alexa and the Alexa we saw in this match, then I'm all for it. If we're going to get more of the foaming of the mouth shit with the doll and whatever, which they're selling a whole shit ton of on their website. So I can understand why they wouldn't want to go away from that so quickly. Um, then I guess, but I really think that a old version, not, not a complete, you know, five feet of fury, Alexa bliss is necessary, but some sort of a hybrid, I think would be a, a nice, happy medium for her character. Triple threat match, United States championship, Damian Priest, Sheamus, Jeff Hardy. Great stuff here. We'll talk about raw in a moment on the highlights from that show, including that United States championship match. That was more extreme than what we got on this show. Um, ironically enough, but I thought this was really good. No surprise here. I mean, Sheamus has been fucking killing it since, uh, you know, the whole beginning of the Performance Center era and coming back about a year and a half ago. He has consistently killed it on his own on both brands. Um, Jeff Hardy's super over. These people really wanted him to win. But Priest, in the end, emerged victorious with another great championship defense. So I thoroughly enjoy this, and I really think Priest is on to uh, on the right track to superstardom in this company, which is, you know, rare for NXT call-ups, but for some reason they've gotten it right with him. Yeah, I think this was a great match. Like you said, Sheamus has been great uh, since he's come back. Everything he's done has been good. I think it's probably some of his best work he's done in his career. Um, Jeff Hardy's, I mean, he'll always be popular. I mean, they keep pushing him up and down the car, but, I mean, the fans will always care about him, so I was good to have him in here. And like you said, Priest is just... The thing with Priest is I feel like they just really didn't deteriorate a lot from, like, they didn't really, like, vary from where he was in NXT. He's basically been the same character, and that's obviously that worked there, so that's why it's kind of working on the main roster. That's that's what happens. You just keep what works working. You don't just switch. Like, don't fix it. What's the this, what's this thing? If it's not broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Exactly. What a this concept. The, exactly. Look what happened. You should have just kept carrying across the way he is. Instead, he put a stupid metal mask on his head, and he's a goofball. <laughs> and then I mean, wonder why people don't care. It's like, you should have just kept him the way he was. He would have been fine. You're telling me that they couldn't have kept Keith Lee limitless and, and they had to make him Bearcat? Like, you could have just kept him limitless and it would have gone over? <laughs> I mean, once they put the cheerling skirt on, it was all tough to get past that. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate the Bearcat stuff, but it is kind of stupid. We'll get to that in a little bit. I have more thoughts on that. But yeah, the, the, the bottom line is that you don't need to change. You don't need to fix what isn't broken. And they haven't done that with Priest. And the amazing thing about Priest is that I thought he was... I mean, I've always enjoyed his work dating back to Ring of Honor when he was uh, Punishment Martinez. But he was kind of bland there. He was bland early on in his NXT run. But when they turned him babyface and kind of made him kind of made him that rock star, gave him that rock star vibe, he really got over. So, And he's great in the ring, so no surprise there. Um, the only thing working against him is that he's like 38 years old. So it's... It, and not that it's now or never, but they kind of gear themselves towards the younger people. So I'm glad they're pushing him now and not realizing how much of a star he can be five years down the road. So uh, he's really on the ascent right now, and we'll talk more about him in the Raw review in a moment. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, another great match on this show that was kind of marred by the finish and what happened afterward. Um, but I want to talk about the match itself. I think these two work very well together. This was their first ever one-on-one -on -one encounter, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And it was very enjoyable. 
I honestly had no problem with the finish, and I hate getting DQs or countouts or no contests on a pay-per-view. I'm willing to make the exception here just because I did not want either woman to win decisively. Keep the feud going. Too soon for Bianca to get the belt back. We get the return of Sasha. I don't know what that sets up. I mean, as we speak right now, they haven't announced anything for SmackDown, so... Could we get a triple threat this week, or maybe the next week, or at the next pay-per-view? I'm not sure if they're even, if they're even going to be at Crown Jewel. Um, I assume we get a women's match on that show. But at any rate, I thought this was really well done. Not only the match itself, dude, but I really like Sasha coming back when she did. Because I think it kind of puts a halt to the Becky-Bianca stuff for now. And they can, I mean, assuming they stay on the same show, which I think they should, you can always go back to it. And what I want to see happen personally take a break from this feud, finish up Bianca and Sasha, because we never got that rematch at SummerSlam, and I feel Sasha was probably going to win that. So, have Sasha beat Bianca, maybe in a rematch on SmackDown, build to a rubber match, maybe at an upcoming pay-per-view or whatever, um, have Bianca go over in the end, and in the meantime, while all of that is going on, Becky can enter a little mini-feud with who I think should be in championship contention coming off her win on the show, on the kickoff, that being Liv Morgan, not that she would win the championship, but She's clearly over. People really enjoy Liv Morgan, and she's very much improved over the last year. So I would do Becky and Liv for a little while. I would do Bianca and Sasha, wrap that up. And now we're talking. Like, we need more stories in this women's division on Fridays. So um, that's what I would do. But I want to get your thoughts on the match, Mr. Marceau, and the return of Sasha Banks on this pay-per-view. I thought that, I thought it was a great match. I mean, I think people, like you said, are, are just kind of like, obviously mad they get a DQ finish. But I, I thought the match itself was great. Um, I think, I mean, Becky's been killing it since she's come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of people are upset that she went heel, but I don't know. I just feel like she's not, like, she has the, like, persona. To, like, she has, like, that, like, bitchy persona down well now and, like, kind of, like, I don't know. Whenever I hear her talk, I feel like it's her genuinely talking and it doesn't seem like it's, like, scripted or anything like that. Like, it seems genuine. I think the accent helps her a little bit. Like, she kind of sounds snooty with with the Irish accent, like, I'm, like it just, like, she has, like, the I-don't-give-a-fuck attitude, and I think that's helped her a lot since she turned heel, and, I don't know, I think on the ring-wise, she looked great, I love the, I love, like, the new rock bottom that she does, the, the manhandle slam, or whatever she's calling it, I think that's good, I mean, I think everyone should have at least, uh, a regular finisher and a submission finisher, so if they keep using that, that'd be great as well, but, mm-hmm. um, like you said, I think, having Sasha come back here, they can have her and Bianca, either finish up what they were starting or like kind of do a little series of matches like you said and then keep Becky busy with Liv Morgan who seems like you said to get has been very over with the crowd I think she's earned it I think she's been great lately hopefully they can book those other women they called up like Tony Shotzi and and uh, Tegan Knox a little bit more somehow because I feel like they've been pretty much off TV and not doing anything since they got called up so but um I think that I think that do those two feuds and maybe do Natty and Tamina versus Knox and Shotzi because that's what it seemed like you'd be going before Natty got hurt and they really haven't gone back to it. So I think SmackDown's in good hands. I think they could gain some women as well, but if they build around these two feuds, I think I think it's a good start at least and make Liv Morgan seem a bigger deal than she she has since she was in the Riot Squad. Are you telling me you're not invested in uh, Tony Storm's current storyline, if you can even call it that, with her fawning over Dolph Ziggler and Rick Boogs and her involvement in that whole crap? Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, <laughs> why even bother calling her up at that point? Yeah, it's terrible. It's like literally Mandy and Otis again. Mm-hmm. And Tony, it's stupid. It's dumb. It's a complete waste. And I think I think Mandy really shined in that role. I would not put that same role 
I would not give that same role to uh, Tony Storm. So hopefully the draft is kinder to those three women. We saw Tegan and Shotzi on SmackDown, right? Yeah, on SmackDown last week. They confronted the new women's tag team champions. So they finally resurfaced. They still have a job in this company. I mean, they've been involved in backstage segments since... Uh, you know, they got called up, but, I mean, barely in the background, blinking, you missed the type stuff. So I'm glad they finally resurfaced, but, I mean, they really should have gotten the title shot in the first place because they beat Natty and Tamina three times before Rhea and Nikki ever did, but whatever. Uh, we get to the main event of the show, Roman Reigns and the Demon. Demon Finn Balor versus, our, you know, versus each other for the Universal Championship in an Extreme Rules matchup. Now, listen, the finish was, fu- was fucking awful, but I got to credit where it's due, though. The match lived up to what I thought it could be. I thought it was a great match. There was very little, if anything, extreme, quote-unquote, about this pay-per-view. Um, but I thought, obviously, this being the sole extreme uh, extreme rules match in the pay-per-view, they made good use of the stipulation, typical WWE-style extreme rules match, in that they used chairs and the kendo sticks and the tables and whatever. Pretty basic stuff. But I enjoyed the match. Roman's on another level right now. Balor looked great. And I honestly don't really see, and we talked about this last week, I thought there was a chance that Balor could win. I was in the minority there, and obviously I was wrong. I'm not saying he was going to win. I was just saying there was a chance he could win. But I, I thought at the very least, you know, if Roman wins clean, we didn't sit here and pitch a week ago, oh, he's got to be protected with the smoke and the mirrors and the bullshit and all this other stuff. If you just have him put up a good fight and Roman pins him one, two, three, that's really all that matters. But that's not what happened, dude. I mean, they fucking... They really went out of their way here to try to protect Balor, but it ended up making him look worse uh, with like the him squirming around on the ground and the music playing, which is... We've had the demon for seven years now in this company, and this has never once happened before. Typical Vince McMahon bullshit. I mean, he wasn't Vince wasn't even doing this stuff with the demon five years ago. Three, four years ago. Two years ago. So why now is my question. Uh, maybe we'll come to find out. I, I, I honestly, I can't even try to justify it. Um, and then the turnbuckle shit was just terrible. The guy's 180 pounds soaking wet. So the fact that he would break the top rope just by standing on it was dumb. It came off terribly. The crowd didn't know how to react. Maybe we'll come to find out on SmackDown that Heyman was behind it. But even then, it was a dumb finish. Um, but at any rate, Roman wins with the spear. That's it. So the right result, but the road they took to get there was really unfortunate because I thought it marred what I thought was a very good main event. Yeah, I thought the match itself was good. The finish was absolutely terrible. Like I said, the whole... They should have just had him have a good match, lose the Roman, we move on. The whole demon stuff, well, like you said, what's he in cahoots with the lighting and the uh, music guy? Like, I just don't get it. It's, <laughs> it's phony. It's silly. The whole sequence of the music and him, like, like you said, like, heart beating up was really dumb. Then they're playing the music as he's, like, legitimately, like, beating the shit out of Roman. Like, he's, they're playing his fucking music as he's killing Roman. And then literally he's on the top rope to do the coup de grace, and they're doing like the basically the point when if, during his entrance he does like the hands up and they do the lights, and all of a sudden it just buckles and he falls down. Like made legitimately no sense. All of a sudden the lights became normal again. Like I said, so maybe the lighting guy was like, "Oh shit!" and turned the lights back on. It just was like typical Vince McMahon phony bullshit, and it was terrible. And there was no reason to do it. It was really dumb. Like you said, it's not like he's fucking Big Show and, like, the ring, like, he's one of the smallest guys on the roster. He shouldn't, there's, like, unless they're, they're, they're people on the top rope all night. Not like all of a sudden he got on and just, like, snapped. It was just stupid. And there's no justifying it. This is classic Vince McMahon, terrible fucking 
booking, phony cartoon bullshit. And I think it may, they wanted the fiend to look better or the demon to like maybe build him up more and maybe see, make him seem like a more credible guy and maybe use the demon character more. But it just came off silly and stupid. I don't think it killed the demon, which a lot of people said it did, but I, I don't think it helped whatsoever. I mean, if anything, I really have no desire to see the demon brought back anytime soon coming off this ending, do you? No, like I said, it, it did more to damage the demon than help him. But it didn't ruin him, though. No, it didn't ruin him, but yeah. I mean, do something like this again, might as well just bury his grave. It was it was awful. It was it bad. Was one of the worst things I've ever seen, like... Just it was awful. It was it was up there with one of the goofiest WWE mid nineties bullshit pay per view raw finishes you would expect. You know, like I it said, twenty thirty. Reminded me a lot of the Fiend Seth Rollins ending. No, one hundred percent. Horrible. What were your two cents on that uh, on that podcast with the Broken Skull Sessions? I mean, I'm not surprised when Seth said that it was definitely wasn't their idea for having the match like that, and that he wanted to kill Vince. I don't blame him. <laughs> And then Bray Wyatt like tweeted out like, "Wait till you're my end of the story." I mean, I think they both thought it was stupid because it was. It was awful. How was many just... how many stories do you think Bray has about being not buried, but I mean, he was buried a few times here and literally buried at Payback 2014. We ranted about that seven years ago. We'll rant about it now. Um, but still, how many think stories do you think he has about all the dumb finishes that he's been involved in? And I'm sure not every creative idea that he had was great, but I mean, he's probably been overruled on a lot of creative decisions over the years, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I bet you, there's probably some, like you said, there's probably some of his ideas that were probably pretty stupid, too. Like, I'm really interested to see whose idea was to have him fucking burned alive, because that was a terrible idea as well. I mean... I didn't, honestly, with his supernatural shit, I didn't mind that. I just thought the follow-up was bad, personally. Yeah, we're going to give your gimmick to a girl, and then we're going to lay you off. That's a good idea. <laughs> it was just... It was just not good. It reminded me of that, and just, like, I feel like that ruined the show, because I thought... All in all, every match, like, delivered in the ring. But then, like, that, and then the Alexa Bliss. Like, the sports entertainment stuff was literally what's going to be known as, like, ruining that show when the wrestling was good. Every match had good wrestling, but then the two big sports entertainment stuff they did was fucking terrible. That's all of what people were talking about. Yeah, that's the only thing this pay-per-view is going to be remembered for. That and the Bliss thing, unfortunately. It overshadowed every good thing they did on the show, booking-wise, match-wise, which is really unfortunate. But I-, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the inevitable talk as Jericho or Bray Wyatt talks about being beaten by John Cena at WrestleMania 30 and how dumb that was. I mean, that's I will never I will never die on that hill. That's that, <laughs> the dumbest decision of all time. I was going to say, that hill you will find my body on because I will never get over that. Ugh, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> just terrible. Like you said, though, I enjoyed this pay-per-view overall from an in-ring standpoint. Those final three minutes were just god-awful. Just god, god-awful. And now we have Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. The stage is set. Now official crown jewel for the Universal Championship. Early prediction, is Roman Walkout still the champ? Does his year-plus reign continue? Or are we getting a new champion in Brock Lesnar? Because you know they like to do the shock title changes in uh, Saudi Arabia. We've gotten three Universal title changes in Saudi Arabia, like the last three of the four times they've been there since 2019. I think Roman's going to retain. He'll, re- he'll hold the belt until he beats Punk's record, guaranteed. Hmm. I'm trying to think. He just surpassed, or is about to surpass 400 days. He's going to beat Punk's record in, I think, hmm, next month? Nah, I think yeah. it'd be early November. He would have to beat Brock and then... He would probably beat Punk's record then. I mean, I would just keep the belt on him until Mania at this point, right? I, I would not have Brock beat him. Like no, I said, no. 
The person that needs to beat him is someone that's up and coming. We 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 said Damian Priest would be a good idea. I mean, anyone that needs the push that you could build into a star is basically who needs it. So I hope it's not like a Drew or someone that's already made. It has to be someone that needs the win to be made. Yeah, I mean, Drew I would tolerate more than Brock, but even then it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like people aren't ready for that. I feel like people would boo that, to be honest. They should. Like I said, it should be someone that's like, that needs the win. Drew doesn't need the win. He's already a made man at this point. Yeah, Yeah, he is a made man. I don't know. Priest is the only one that comes to mind. We've talked to this before, but I I just don't really see anyone else being remotely near that level priest has got to end up on smackdown or at the very least win the royal rumble because i don't see roman going to raw we'll talk about the draft in a little bit but uh yeah time will tell but let's talk about raw real quick and the highlights from that show because like i said i thought it was uh, an above average show on the whole by recent raw standards which is not saying much uh we talked about biggie and bobby biggie still the wwe champion uh do you think we get biggie and drew mcintyre at crown jewel or is that a red herring does drew still go to smackdown what did you make of that ending to raw this week I think it's a red herring. I think Drew's going to have SmackDown. Do we get the match at all? Uh, maybe we could do it at Crown Jewel. Yeah, I think Big E will retain regardless. Maybe we could have like, Drew like, float for the next month, but I think it's kind of... I mean, I feel bad for Raw because I feel like Drew's been... is basically their Roman Reigns on Raw, but I feel like he's done everything on Raw at this point. Might as well move him to SmackDown. Yeah, um, time to move on. I don't think him stem switching Big E to Raw and Drew to SmackDown is a fair trade, but... I feel like at this point, even though Raw is like their Raw is the biggest show, like SmackDown is their biggest show clearly right now with the ratings and the. I mean, it just is. I mean, it's just a way better show and it's booked better. And I just feel like Raw, it just they need they need to shake it up. They need to make it more interesting, and hopefully they can do that. But I just feel like anyone moving from SmackDown is going to be like mid card guys that they might start pushing maybe, but. I don't think I'll do too much for Raw, unfortunately. I mean, has anyone moved to Raw in the last year that really benefited from last year's draft? Like, people that were already on Raw benefited, like a McIntyre and, you know, Becky and stuff like that. But can you think of anyone that was moved to Raw last... Maybe Sheamus. Maybe. Um, I mean, he didn't, he was U.S. champion for a little while. He's had great matches, but he was doing I great mean, stuff AJ on SmackDown, went, too. AJ went from SmackDown to Raw. He hasn't done much. Nah, yeah, he was... Uh, went to SmackDown to Raw. She's done shit. Uh, Jeff went to Raw, and that was awful, too. Miz and Morrison, I wouldn't really say they've done much. Nope. Kofi and Xavier, eh. Tucker. Tucker went from SmackDown to Raw. So did Drew Gulak, so (laughs) that's good. And then The Fiend went to Raw. Uh, So did Braun, and they don't even work there anymore. (laughs) Braun Strowman. Matt Riddle. Riddle. Riddle's done better for himself on Raw. So we got one. Yeah, I would. Okay, so I would count Riddle. The only asterisk there was that he was only on SmackDown for three months, and he did get a US or an Intercontinental title shot. He probably would have done big things on SmackDown, right? Had he not gotten moved, but I I will take him going to Raw because he's been a success story there. We have Alexa Bliss. I mean, she's done better. She's definitely done better. I will give you that. Elias. Where the fuck has he been? Uh, Lacey Evans, I mean, she got pregnant, so she hasn't really been on TV. Sheamus, yeah. like you said. Nikki Ash, I mean, definitely. She's been pushed way yeah. more than SmackDown. Yeah. And everyone else is not even in the company anymore, so I don't even have to go over it. Oh, Davocado. But he went to SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ritter, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I think we named a few people, but, I mean, 
just, I don't know. I just, I feel like SmackDown's, like, anyone they're going to lose is, like, mid-card people, so it's not going to, like, be a huge deal. Like, yeah. not, like, like, Drew is such, like, Drew is, like, one of the only, like, top-tier guys, and I don't think they're moving, like, Seth from SmackDown to Raw. Like, maybe they move Edge to Raw, and kind of, maybe that's how they try to, like, balance it out yeah balance it out with drew but like he's a part-time guy so it's like and eh, Drew's gonna be there every week i'm like you're gonna move like the mysterios like they just i feel like anyone you move from smackdown is a star it's like they'll move like owens or uh cesaro cesaro or shinsuke and i just feel like none of those people would really make a big deal to raw unfortunately it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because if you think about the overall landscape of like the brands right now, haven't the roles kind of been reversed? Because I feel like everything you just said was with the other way around, maybe like 10 years ago, 5, 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, where they would put the mid-carters on SmackDown. They really wouldn't have the star power, but they would make stars out of who they had. The problem now is that Raw's taking these stars... They're not really making stars out of the people. Like, out of SmackDown's mid-carters, Raw's mid-carters would become stars on SmackDown. SmackDown's mid-carters are really, really not doing much more than they were on SmackDown. Big E is going to become, <clears throat> you know, he's the WWE champion, which is cool. But I feel like SmackDown or Raw is where the SmackDown people go to die. I mean, Jeff Hardy has been a complete loser on Raw. I want to see him go back to SmackDown and actually be utilized and do something over there. I mean, the guy's 40-something years old, but... I don't know. It, it makes absolutely no sense. We'll talk about actual trades in a moment as far as who should go where, but it is funny looking back on last year and seeing how many people actually benefited from going to Raw. There there were a few, you're right. There were, definitely were a few, but the overall majority, I mean, the show has been just abysmal. I mean, it has been probably the worst it has ever been this last year, um, and hopefully the draft can change that, but time will tell. But I do want to mention this, though, in, in, in relation to Raw from this week. Her business seemingly back Cedric Alexander Shelton uh, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander getting involved in the WWE Championship steel cage match helping out Bobby Lashley couldn't help him win the championship but they were wearing the shirt they helped him out in the main event is the hurt business back and how thrilled are you about that because it was obviously way 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 too soon for them to be breaking up about you know like six months ago whenever they did right before Wrestlemania it's nice to see them back, but it just, like, kind of shows that they, like, clearly made a mistake breaking them up. I just, I don't know what they did. It was dumb and didn't really make much sense. And if they're back together, I feel like it's a WWE admitting that they did something wrong. But, I don't know, it might be too, t- like, they've been flunky. They've been losers for the last four months. Why should I start caring about them? So, maybe they can get some steam back. But, I don't know. I just feel like they made the mistake. They haven't treated, it's not like they've, like, broke them up and they've been doing something of note lately they've been losers since they left the hurt business so we'll see but i don't know it just doesn't i think it just they should just kept them together i, I just don't know like there's no reason to break them up because they literally did nothing with them mm-hmm. I, I don't know it made no sense and maybe they wanted the presentation more with mvp and bobby because it's just kind of cleaner but i mean now that they're facing the new maybe they're only bringing them back because they're facing the new day and it's kind of keeping them busy but I don't know. I just think it was kind of down to break them up in the first place. I could see a scenario where we get, you know, the Hurt Business versus New Day next week on Raw in that same show. Bobby goes to SmackDown and the reunion is short-lived. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I just, like I said, why do it then? I just don't, then why do it then? It's not like people are going to tune in because the Hurt Business are back. They're Like I said, they've been treated as losers the last couple months. It's just, I don't know, it's just weird. Weird, weird, weird. Yep, that's this company for you in a nutshell. Uh, speaking of losers, Ricochet challenging for the 24-7 championship on the show against Reggie. You had a lot to say about this on Twitter. I want to get your thoughts on it here as well. 
Oh my god, when's his contract up? <laughs> For the love of God, he's gotta go. I, I love Ricochet. He was great in NXT. Since being called up, he's been an absolute loser. And I just I mean, once his contract's up, like I said, I don't know when it is. He he has to go back to Prince Puma because or Prince work Puma. Under, he has to. He has to work under a mask. The guy's been literally a glorified job guy for the last like two years. I just, I love him and just him being in the twenty four seven stuff just like literally legitimately pisses me off. <laughs> I just, I don't understand. Like, how do you ruin this guy? I just don't get it. And like I said, if he when eventually he leaves, please put a fucking mask on because <laughs> he has so much WWE stench on him that's not even funny. Dude, it's ridiculous. I saw that graphic, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, come on, man. This is the same guy that also lost to Riddick Moss about a year and a half ago on Raw for the 24-7 championship. Remember that? He shouldn't be wrestling for the 24-7 championship, let alone losing for it. It's, just, it's <laughs> awful. Terrible. Like I said, when he leaves, put a mask on, get the stench off, and then maybe can take it off. How bad is it that he's actually gone for the 24-7 title a bunch of times and he's never actually won the joke bell? If you can't win the joke bell, you probably don't deserve to work here. It's just terrible. I mean, you're a former 24-7 champion, are you not? I, I am. It's just so bad. I it's so terrible. Bad. I mean, it says here that he signed with WWE in January of 2018. I think they have four-year contracts. That's what Adam Coles was. So Yeah, it I could mean, be. Could be up in January. I'd fucking bolt like my ass was on fire. When I, was up. <laughs> I mean, people were saying about around this time a year, year and a half ago. Oh, his contract isn't up anytime soon. Because remember, he lost to Brock in like ninety seconds at uh, what was it, Super Showdown or whatever it was in twenty nine or twenty twenty. So that was then. If it wasn't up anytime soon, then we could be closer to the end of his contract now, which could be early twenty twenty two. Which I really, I really hope it is. <laughs> I yeah, I just it's crazy. Uh Keith Bearcat Lee redebuting on Raw this week. Great to see him. Not a big fan of the I mean, listen, the nickname itself is fine. This is stupid, but even the placement of it in my opinion I think is weird. Putting it in the middle of his name is just bizarre. If you want to call him Bearcat Keith Lee, or maybe it's like his gimmick kind of, but they don't actually call him Bearcat, you know. Like when Drew McIntyre comes out, they don't call him the Scottish Warrior. When Roman Reigns comes out, they don't introduce him as the Tribal Chief. Like, it's kind of like an ingrained nickname. They have to include it all over his name now for Keith Lee. They have to put it all over his gear. He's got the claw marks on it. He's got the shorts. The baggy shorts are back, which look terrible. I'm sorry. They do not look good. Uh, Just uh, him killing Akira Tozawa here was good. I don't know if a heel Keith Lee would work. I just feel like he's too likable and he's too... I don't know. I just and if he's not going to be doing the stuff that got him over the whole high flying stuff, that's part of his appeal. That's part of the limitless gimmick. Then I don't know, dude. I'm just not a big fan of that. Yeah, but isn't like I feel like when I think of a bear cat, I think of like someone that is like limitless or like very agile for their size. So I mean, I feel like they could still incorporate that a little bit. That's why I don't hate it as much. Like I feel like bear cat is like you're nimble, like you're bigger, but like you're like athletic and nimble. Mm-hmm. It's fucking stupid. Like I said, it's same. It's like. Basically, WWE, like, putting Limitless in a generator to creative services, and they came back with Bearcat. Like, <laughs> it is not good. It's definitely not good, but, I mean, at least he's on TV. I, I mean, the shorts, like you said, are awful. I mean, like, looks like he's wearing a cheerleading skirt. And I don't, like, this is just another guy. I just don't know how they just ruined. But he's honestly at the point that he might as well just uh, wait for his contract to get up and leave. He's just been... 
He was literally WWE or NXT champion. He drops the belt, comes to Raw, and has done legitimately nothing. And it's yeah. sad. And he, and, missed some, he missed some time due to the injury, the COVID thing, and I get that. But they haven't done much with him since he's come back at all. Um, he lost to Bobby Lashley in five minutes when he first came back. And the Bearcat thing doesn't really bother me as much as... I don't know, dude. Do you think he could thrive as a heel? Because I feel like he's just not a natural heel. I feel like they don't have to, oh, every every big black guy that we have, Bobby Lashley and Omos, they got to be heels. I think Bobby and Omos thrive in that role, but I don't think Keith Lee's one of those guys. I feel like he can be the exception and kind of be who he was in NXT. Again, what a concept. Yeah, he should just be like a, a baby face and people would cheer him. I don't know what they're doing with him. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I think he could really do well in WWE, and I'm really shocked they haven't done more with him because he's a big guy. He's not an amazing talker, but honestly, dude, if they actually utilized him correctly, I mean, had they not, the damage has been done. He's not buried or anything. He can't bounce back from it, but you talk about people who could beat Roman Reigns. I feel like it could have been Keith Lee had he not been, you know, very much de-emphasized over the last year. Couldn't, Couldn't agree more. And now we're at a point where, I don't know, he, he won this match, and I don't want to completely shit on him, and maybe he'll end up on SmackDown in the draft, but uh, the heel thing, hmm, I don't know. Not a big fan of that. Hey, at least he doesn't have Adam Cole as his manager, right? <laughs> Adam Mole, and they were going to change his name. They were going to change the name, the hair, and everything. And I'm, That guy could not have been smarter to get the fuck out of there. Uh, Damian Priest versus Sheamus, no DQ, no countout match, the match that we should have gotten to the pay-per-view. Um, I thought this was a great match, dude. I thought Damian Priest looked great, Sheamus looking great as usual, still the United States champion, um, and an awesome way to blow off the feud, so I have no complaints about this whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, thought it was good. No complaints. I mean, Rob needs this, and it's going to suck. <laughs> Speaking of something that's terrible, I gotta say this: uh, Charlotte Flair, Dewdrop, lasting all of ninety seconds. They kind of gave away the open challenge ahead of time. The the more I see of Dewdrop dancing, the more I'm annoyed of this character. I think she's. I really enjoy Piper Niven. I enjoyed her time at NXT UK. Great person, very nice. Had a chance to see her last month at SummerSlam. This gimmick is fucking. I almost honestly prefer that she was with Eva because this gimmick is fucking awful. It's terrible. They kept the name. The dewdrop is like a dance move now. This went over like a fart in church, and she was made to look like a moron by losing to Charlotte in 90 seconds via a distraction roll-up or a finish or whatever when Eva Marie walked out, and they're still doing that feud. I mean, I assume it's done now that Eva got beat up by Shayna. But this was really bad. I mean, I just... That's an that's an example of someone they can build up and really make a star out of. Not to say they can't, but this is not how you do it. I mean, you saw once they switched her name, I knew she was screwed. I mean, uh, I think she's like you said, she has the ability to be great if she just was booked the right way and kept her name. The whole Dewdrop thing it just screams like she's just booked to be a comedy character and just a joke, and mm-hmm. that's what she's been. And I, I fear for her. Yeah, I fear for her immediate future on the show. Maybe she gets drafted, but. Even still, I don't see that happening. I just keeping the name, not only changing the name, but keeping the name was even worse. Their logic was, "Oh, I got to stick it to her by being successful as Dewdrop or whatever the hell it was." Was also really, really, really dumb. Um, do you think Shayna Baszler can bounce back? We talked about it last week. The, sh- the badass Baszler is back, and she once again killed someone on the show. That being Eva Marie, no remorse this time. Uh, I'm glad they're sticking with this. We'll see where she winds up in the draft, but I'm, I don't know, dude. I, I, Call me a fool, but I'm slightly optimistic that this might be going somewhere with her. Fool. 
You should call your fool. So I'm going to call you fool. <laughs> I, think I think she has uh, the ability to be booked correctly. I mean, we'll see coming up. But, I mean, it seems like they're going that direction. So uh, I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll see what happens. But I think she's been booked well enough that uh, I'm going to call you a fool and think that uh, I'll, I'll be a fool with you, actually. <laughs> you can call us both fools. Call us both fools, exactly. So, I don't know. I want to see her do well. I'm a big Shayna Baszler fan. It's been long enough since we've seen badass, dominant Shayna Baszler, so hopefully it won't be long before we get that. Uh, we're getting it now, but how long in, How long until she runs into the wall that is Charlotte Flair is the question. Um, time will tell me. we got to probably start placing bets on that one. Before we get to the draft, though, nothing really to note from NXT. Um, we won't really go into that this week, but I do want to get a couple thoughts from you on Dynamite. Uh, we got a new TNT champion, dude, Sammy Guevara, besting Miro in the night's main event. Great match, great moment. Personally, though, as we said a week ago, I thought it was just too soon. I know it coincided with the Brody Lee hometown, former TNT champion. That's great. I would have saved this for full gear because it looks like they're not going back to a rematch anytime soon. So, I don't know. I really would have stretched this feud out a little bit more than they did. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I think they should have drawn it out a little bit longer. Um, I like Sammy, but I mean, I feel like Mira was just starting to get steam, get gaining kind of momentum as this new character, and then they immediately lost it. So, uh, I guess we'll see. But I, I would have kept the belt on him a little bit longer. Yeah, I would have held it at least until full gear. At least until full gear. If not full gear, then do it all out. But they did that random Eddie Kingston match instead that came out of absolutely nowhere. The way this was booked was weird to me because they did the Fuego Del Sol thing, which I thought was well done. But then they moved away from it for a couple weeks, and then they went back to it with Sammy. And they put Eddie Kingston there in the, in the interim. Like, why not just do the Sammy match at all? Uh, Sammy wasn't even at All Out. So isn't that weird? Like, shouldn't they have just done the match at All Out and had the title change there? Yes. Yeah, it's just weird. But um, they already announced that his first championship defense, he teased feuds with uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page backstage after the show. So I assume those are inevitable matches we might be getting over that championship. But his first defense comes next week on the anniversary show against none other than former NXT star Bobby Fish, current MLW star. Bobby Fish put out a uh, challenge on Twitter as soon as the show ended. It was confirmed in a backstage segment during Roads to the Top and a match I did not expect to see in 2021, but Bobby Fish versus Sammy Guevara for the AEW TNT title. Your thoughts on that, Mr. Marceau? It's interesting. I think it'll be a good match, a nice one-off, but, I mean, that's all it's going to be. I mean, I like Bobby Fish. He's a little older. I think it'll be a good match. Do I see him staying in AEW? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think it's a cool little one-off. Yeah, I think it's cool that they're utilizing the Forbidden Door stuff with the MLW stars too. Like I said, I think he just signed with MLW recently. So uh, no, cool to see my dynamite. I didn't, I didn't think he would uh, pop up in AEW. I didn't feel like they wanted him at all. And uh, do you think we get any interaction between him and Bobby or Bobby Fish and Adam Cole? I feel like it'd be a missed opportunity if we if they did, and at least in a quick backstage segment or something. I think it'd be pretty cool if you had to, like you said, acknowledge each other. So I, I'm, I'm down for that. I think it'd be cool if Sammy beat him, and then they, you know, the elite came out afterward, and Adam Cole beat the shit out of him. I think that'd be sick. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Not even like a trolling way. I think it'd be cool to be like, hey, I'd, undisputed era sucked, and the elite is where it's at. Or hey, like I texted the other day, dream booking scenario, long term booking here. Kor and Kyler or Kyler Riley and uh, Roderick Strong leave NXT at some point. And Cole says, fuck you to the Elite, because they turned on him initially years ago. And we get Undisputed Era versus uh, the Elite in AEW at some point in a War Games, or I'm sorry, Blood and Guts match at some point down the road. 
I think it's a cool idea. I don't know if it ever happen, but I yeah, mean, that's true. I mean, that that's I, all contract I, stuff. So who knows? I think the, it's kind of like written on the wall or basically hinted out of it. I mean, I feel like Cole's eventually going to split off from them. Yep. Like the way he's been presented, and they're all kind of goofs, and he's the only serious one. So I could see eventually, like maybe their goofiness finally messes with his his matches or something, or they start getting in the way, and then eventually he'll break off, which he should because he doesn't really fit them. Well, let's talk about Cole. He came out to a monster reaction to start this show in a great match with Jungle Boy. Awesome opener. Cole wins. My only nitpick, as you could probably expect, I fucking hated how he kicked out of the uh, Panama Sunrise, but won with the boom. Uh, listen, the boom is a good move and all, but, I mean, he really should be winning with the Panama Sunrise if he's going to hit it. So I, I hate, I hate, I hate when they do that. Uh, but still a great opener. And we're getting a uh, 10-man tag next week. In addition to Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson this Friday on Rampage, we're getting uh, the Elite versus Brian Danielson, Christian Cage, and Jurassic Express, maybe Frankie as well, 10-man tag next week on Dynamite. So what's the next step here, dude? Because not only are we getting that match next week, and I thought that Brian might be working his way through the Elite to get a rematch with Kenny at full gear, but it was announced that uh, we're getting a casino ladder match, the return of the casino ladder match, why even call it a casino ladder match when it's not in Vegas? I don't know. Um, but they're bringing it back next week on the anniversary show of Dynamite, the two-year anniversary show. And the winner gets an AEW World Championship opportunity. So your thoughts on that and uh, how this is all going to shake out for the AEW World Championship picture going into full gear. It's interesting. I think there's plenty of directions it can go in. I mean, no one's been announced in a ladder match, so I'm interested to see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, I just... I don't know. I, I think Cole, Cole and Brian obviously are being pushed correctly. Um, Brian seemingly will have a rematch with Omega somewhere. We don't know when. Um, but I don't know. I think they have a, a influx of people that could be going for the belt. So it's not always terrible. But I feel like those other people that aren't in the title picture are kind of not floundering. But like like a Darby and MGF, like I could see them like on the cusp of going for the title. But now they're going to put each other against each other. So obviously who will lose there, we'll see. Um, but I mean, I think they have enough talent they're building up to like be credible threats in the main event. But I think it's, I mean, in a near distant future, I think it's going to be Brian and Omega. Maybe we get Hangman comes back next week and wins. I mean, that's a possibility. Um, but we'll see. So that's what I was going to ask you. I think Paige might be winning this thing because it was weird. AEW does a great job of advertising stuff a week out. No one was announced with a match, and it's happening next week. It's not at the next pay-per-view. They're not having qualifiers. Uh, maybe they'll announce an entrant each day leading up to it, but they made no indication of that. I think they did that for a reason. I think the entrants are going to be a mystery, and then the last person to come out is going to be Adam Page, and then we get Adam Page versus Omega at full gear, as we all, I think, originally expected before he didn't come back last week. So how do you tie up him and uh, Omega and Brian then? So I saw some people say this. What if you do Omega and Paige at the next pay-per-view for the title? Because Paige gets the title shot by doing this. He's not number one anymore. It kind of, you know, explains that. And then in the next pay-per-view, you have, leading up to it, you have Brian work through the Elite, leading up to him and Cole at the show. I mean, he doesn't have to. I mean, it really doesn't matter who wins because if Paige wins the championship, I don't think they would do Paige and Brian right away. I would have Cole win, to be honest with you, and then maybe Cole gets the shot against Paige at some point down the road. But, uh, I mean, that's what I would do. Would that make sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, but like I said, it wouldn't really be tying up Brian and Kenny right now. But I guess, like you said, if he, he had to go to the Elite, he lost to Cole, then, like, you'd kind of have to go back. You'd have to kind of 
go back to the drawing board and find another way after Omega. But then if Omega lost the belt, then I don't know. It kind of be weird. Are you going to fight over nothing? So well, that's the thing. So I don't think. Well, I mean, when he first came to AEW in the in, in the first place, he didn't want the championship, right? He never he never said that. He just wanted Omega. I think he just wants to face Omega. Okay. So, right, I mean, if they're going to do that, then I'm fine with it. Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe they do it a revolution or save it for double or nothing. I mean, hey, long-term storytelling, right? They're, they're so good at it. We'll see. I got another long-term story told on, or blown off, rather, on the show last night with a uh, Brody lead, uh, you know, tribute match, Dark Order versus HFO. They're doing the Orange Cassidy-Jack Evans match on Friday's uh, Rampage hair versus hair and whatnot. Um, you know, this was what it was. The match itself was really nothing out of the ordinary. But, you know, they did a nice job honoring Brody, which was nice, and the crowd liked it, and they got the uh, the uh, widow out there, the, the son, negative one out there, you know, whatever. It was cool. Nice moment. Um, was this the big blow-off to the Dark Order angle with, you know, them getting back on the same page? Do you think when they started doing the teasing of the tension within the group a couple of months ago, and then Alex Reynolds left, and Evil Uno wasn't on the same page... I this to me felt like the blow off to the angle, and I don't want to sound like I'm. I mean, I was a little disappointed. Um, it was a great moment, and I don't want to say, oh, it should have been Bray Wyatt. I mean, maybe it, it couldn't have been. Maybe he's not AEW bound. But what were your thoughts? And at least maybe not the match itself. It was a clusterfuck because there were 16 people in there. Um, but the angle being blown off was this the big payoff? You think, or is there still more to come with the tension being teased within Dark Order? I mean, I think. If, if they're going to blow it off, they might as well just do it here. If there's no, like, big reveal, I mean, it makes sense. Just, like, they're fighting and they finally got back on the same page. I mean, I just feel like now they're on the same page, it's not really going to change much with their booking. So it doesn't really matter, but I don't know. It, I don't want to, like, have them kind of re- reconcile here and then start fighting again. I just don't care enough. Yeah, that's weird, but I mean, also, now that they're back on the same page, where do you even go with them from here? Like, aren't we back at square one, now that they're back on the same page, because they're still a joke stable? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, and I enjoy the Dark Order, I just don't really know, it's like, oh, they're back together, great, what now? I, I don't know, like, I don't want to see them go for the tag titles, like, it's they're just kind of there right now. Um, kind of an update, though, where do you, do you see Bray Wyatt being AW bound? It's been two months since he got released, and... Um, his non-compete is going to be up in a month on October 29th, almost exactly a month from today. So do you, do you still him, do you still see him showing up in AEW? There's been rumors of him going to impact. What does the future hold for him? I mean, I think he can go anywhere he wants. I don't know if I'd go right to AEW. I feel like you kind of, I feel like there's just too many cooks in the kitchen at this point. Um, if anything, I'd try to go like maybe impact or somewhere else kind of, build yourself up a little bit and then maybe go to AEW. But right now they've had so many new people debut. I just feel like it would just be an influx of people. There'd be so many people everywhere. That'd be so fucking mind blown. Yeah. I just, I don't know if he's, if he's not going to do something with dark order, which I think is a great role for him. I'm just not really sure what else you do with him. You know, like he's not going to be in the main event scene. He doesn't really fit the Omega, even anything with punk or Brian or Cole. It just kind of feels like he'd be doing something else. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe Impact is the best place for him to go. Time will tell. Uh, one last thing on the Dynamite front, though. Darby Allen, MJF seemingly entering a feud, which I kind of figured. I think I talked about it last week, but we got their first face-to-face confrontation on the show. And I thought it was great. Darby Allen did a fine job. MJF was the real star of the segment, I thought. And personally, dude, I'm all for this feud. We've never seen it before. And both guys, I say need wins. I feel like Darby doesn't need a win. Because, like... Just the character that he is, he can lose and it's fine. I think MJF kind of has to beat him. 
Um, I, I will say that. But I'm, I'm perfectly fine with this feud. I think if they build this up for full gear, I think it's a great attraction, considering we've never seen Darby Allen and MJF one-on-one before. Yeah, I completely agree. I think MJF needs to win. I mean, especially coming off the loss of Jericho, which made no sense because Jericho just lost to the men of the year. But that's another rant for another day. Um, but I think it's good. Two young guys. I think MJF just, I mean, he's a fucking star. He's amazing on the mic. Uh, just, I think he, I like Darby as well. Um, but I think he can afford to lose. I feel like he's kind of in that Jeff Hardy babyface role that people still cheer him even if he loses from time to time. And him losing to MGF, it's not like he's losing to uh, like Caesar Bononi or anyone. Like MGF's only lost two single matches, should only be one to Moxley. Another story for another day. <laughs> I'm not bitter or salty about it still. Um, but no, him losing to MGF, that's not like losing to a job guy. So I don't see an issue with that. And. I think MJF should win, and maybe we get more Sting and Darby somewhere down the line. Yeah, we'll see how uh, where Sting factors into this as well, and uh, maybe he'll go off on Sting more. He called him the, uh, what, the one of the best second men. Is that what he called him last night on the show? Yeah, he did. In addition to uh, calling him a uh, school shooter on a skateboard and also saying that he should have died in the car crash instead of his uncle. Yes. <laughs> Great stuff. A little, a little far, I could see people thinking, but I, I honestly had no problem with it. I thought it was funny as hell. Uh, let's end with this, Mr. Marceau. WWE Draft 2021 projections. Who's going where? Raw, SmackDown. Will NXT be involved? You know, I've talked about my thoughts on this quite a bit on Hashtag and other places. So I'm kind of curious what you think. Looking at the Raw roster right now, Big E obviously going to Raw. I don't know if he's officially a part of Raw right now, but he's going to Raw as the WWE champion. Beyond that, though, if you look at the Raw roster, SmackDown rosters, who do you think needs a move more than anyone to a separate show? Um, I mean, I think Drew definitely needs to go to SmackDown. I think he's done pretty much everything in the mid-card. He's faced pretty much everyone on Raw. I'm looking at the list. Randy, Ricochet, Riddle, Sheamus, Bobby Lashley. I mean, John Morrison and Miz. I feel like he's faced all these guys, so I feel Mm -hmm. like he needs to move. Um, SmackDown... I don't want to say Owens because I feel like he moves every year. I think Nakamura. <laughs> I mean Nakamura. I could see going to Raw. I feel like he's, I don't even think he's ever actually been on Raw. I could see him going to Raw. Uh, maybe Cesaro. Well, would you got to swap him and Priest, right? If you put Nakamura on Raw. Yeah, I think Priest and Priest and Shinsuke should definitely be moved. I think I think that's a definite. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go so far as that it's a definite, but I do want to see it though. Oh yeah, I definitely want to see that. So I'll take back the definite, but I definitely want to see that. <laughs> and then I don't know, like, like maybe Balor, but mm, I don't know. I, I like maybe Apollo Cruz. Like I feel like some mid card guys can maybe move to rocks. I feel it's like the SmackDown six or like the six job mid card guys they've had for like the last year. Well, that's why I'd keep Balor where he is because he just got there. So I, I honestly I know what you just said, but I would move Owens. I mean, I know he moved. He does move every year, but at the same time, it's like. He already lost to Roman three times. He failed to win the Intercontinental Championship. He did the Sami Zayn shit every fucking, you know, for a lot already. So I feel like that is almost a definite. Even if he leaves in January, I still feel like he's got to move to Raw and probably Cesaro too. Yeah. Not that, and, they, not that anything's really going to change for them on Raw, but <laughs> it freshens up SmackDown at the very least. Definitely. Then I'd probably move Shane to SmackDown. Yes. On a ton and then... For the women on SmackDown? Uh, Carmella, I would move. She's the only one that hasn't moved. Um, her and Nia Jax have not been moved since they were drafted in 2016. Well, keep Nia Jax on Raw. <laughs> keep Nia Jax on the shelf. Yeah. I wouldn't mind Bailey going to Raw when she comes back. Yes, she will be, I think. That's my prediction. 
So, yeah, I mean, besides that, like, Naomi's going to be on SmackDown. Liv Morgan's done good on SmackDown. Bianca, Becky, I mean, you got to keep all those people. Um, I say move Jeff. Jeff Hardy? Yes. Yeah, you can move Jeff. Like I said, you can move Jeff and then maybe send um, one of those other mid-card guys, maybe like Sami Zayn or Apollo or kind of like Cesar, one of those guys. Like I said, I feel like those six guys have been in like the Intercontinental title picture for like the last like three years. So <laughs> move them along. Um, I mean, I don't really see anyone else that like sticks out. I wouldn't mind if Alexa went back to SmackDown. I feel like she fits better on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Raw does have more win- I mean, people they use at least. Like Zelina's on SmackDown. Who cares? Tamina, Natty, <laughs> Chauncey, Tegan, Tony. I mean, none of those girls have really been used. Um, Naomi's kind of like in a little thing with Sonya right now, so I probably want to move her. I hope Sony actually returns to the ring. I think she will. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there's some decent moves. I think SmackDown will probably get the better of Raw. Just looking at the rosters right now, who could potentially be moved. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. Maybe they swap Rhea and Nikki with uh, Tegan and Shotzi. Or I could see Tony Storm going to Raw and being one of Charlotte's next opponents. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I wouldn't hate that either. And that'd be cool. I mean, she's obviously just arrived on SmackDown, but they've just done absolutely nothing with her on that show. Exactly. Um, as far as tag teams go, do you see anyone switching shows? I, I think the Viking Raiders can move. Not that it really matters much, but they've been on Raw since they got called up. Either them or Mansoor and uh, Mustafa Ali, tag teams like that. I, I don't. Maybe the Profits? Do you think they're going to be broken up after last week? Mm, probably not. What about uh, Viking Raiders? I can see them going to SmackDown. Um, I don't know who you trade back, but... Yeah, not Alpha Academy. You could do Rude and Ziggler. I mean... Yeah, they move every year, too. <laughs> but I guess you're going to have to. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Just, just fucking, maybe not even move them both. Just move one of them, because I just, I think Rude is far better on his own. The guy's like 45 at this point, but I never really understood why they didn't do more with him. But, uh, yeah, Asuka, you think she stays where she is? Yeah. 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 She's another one that's got to, like, probably just leave altogether. I just feel like she's another one that's done everything. I don't really, I don't know. There's just nothing excites me about Asuka at this point. Exactly, I'd keep her where she is. Yeah, I don't know. What about NXT? Who do you see in getting called up from NXT, if anyone? Um, I think EO has a good chance. Even um, as tag team champion? I mean, who cares? They don't even <laughs> keep I mean, I think her and Raquel have a good chance. I saw something about maybe Hit, or Hit Row getting called up, maybe. I think MSK could surprisingly get called up. I feel like they need new tag teams that like, actually matter. Okay. Um, I want to get called up. No one really else sticks out too much looking at their roster. What about Von Wagner? Von Wagner, no thank you. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if like a Ridge Holland and one of those guys got called up. Ridge like and just, Pete? Or just Ridge on his own? I think Ridge on his own. Hmm, okay. Um, maybe that's why he's lost a lot lately. Maybe. Um, Austin Theory, I mean, I feel like they've done nothing with him down in NXT. Like him, I wouldn't mind him getting called up. He is. Yeah. That's why he's not been on the show lately. I think that's a given. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, that, that's a couple of good options. Um, what about LA Knight? Yeah, that's possible. He's lost a lot lately, too, so calling him up. Even the Imperium guys, Aikner and Bartel, I mean, I want to hate if they got called up. I feel like their time's kind of over in NXT. Yeah, and I agree with that. Uh, what about Cameron Grimes? Any shot of him getting called up? Yeah, I'd keep him down in NXT. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be booked too well on the main roster. I mean, it would be cool, but at the same time, I just, I don't know. What about Johnny Gargano? Any, any chance he finally gets moved after, like, six years? Him and Champa there for life. <laughs> I think that's pretty well established by this point. Uh, Kushida, Santos? Yeah, I would keep him down a little longer. 
What are your two cents on uh, Hit Row standpoint? You, you mentioned it, but I want to get your take on it, though. I wouldn't hate them getting called up. I just would fear for them. I mean, I think Swerve would be perfect, like mid-card. You could have the two uh, top Dalla and Ashanti being the tag division. Because, like I said, they do need more tag teams. I mean, B-Fab needs to be stuck in NXT for another, like, three years. But, <laughs> but I think she's great, but, I mean. <laughs> we only got to call his bait his bait, dude. How bad was that match yeah, on Tuesday? Yeah, I was going to say, she's, she needs a lot more work in NXT, so. I think you can call her up, and maybe she can work more as, like, a valet manager role, and maybe still work, like, dark matches or go back to NXT from time to time to, like, work more, but. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call her up to Russell. Knowing this company, they would call up Hit Row, but put B-Fab on SmackDown by herself. It'd be like uh, Nikki Cross getting called up, and then uh, Sanity. Yeah, but at least she was. At least she is good on her own. <laughs> B-Fab is terrible. That's like Scarlet just disappearing without carrying Cross. Where the fuck has she been? I have no idea. Maybe she gets called up to SmackDown in the draft, and it's like, okay, what was the point then? <laughs> Who knows. Stupid. Um, what about oh, who's the other one? Uh, we haven't seen Aaliyah at all lately. Who gives a shit? Dakota Kai. What about her getting called up? I think that's a given too. Yeah, Dakota Kai would be great. I think she. Should, I mean, she is about TV since she lost to Raquel. I don't think. Yes. So yeah. She should be called up. The thing is, I feel like we're calling up all these women that is they they just called up like four women and done nothing <laughs> with them. So honestly, might as well just pull pull events. Keep calling them up. Maybe they'll maybe they'll stick. Maybe they won't. <laughs> That's such the WWE mentality. Like, let's just bring them up. If we have a plan, cool. If we don't, which is most of them, then it doesn't really matter. See if they stick around. See if they'll want to resign for more money. Do nothing with them. And then we'll blame them for not getting over because we never put them on the show. That's like the WWE mentality. It's so stupid. But it doesn't matter unless the creative... Unless the creative improves overall for this company, it doesn't matter who's on what show, what you're calling it, NXT 5.0 or what. The rating was down 100,000 people this week. It doesn't. I mean, t- to me, that doesn't really matter. I mean, it was around 600,000 to begin with, so who gives a shit if it's back to what it was? It, it who cares? Um, the show needs work. It's it's gotten you know it's got potential, but uh, we'll see. We'll see who moves where, dude. And uh, there's a lot of potential moves that could be made. I'm excited for the draft. I always am. But until the creative improves on a show like Raw, then nothing will truly change. So, again, like I said, time will tell, and hopefully it can improve over time. And th- th- that's the hope. we got to remain optimistic here. But at any rate, dude, that, that's going to mark it uh, for today's episode of WrestleRant Radio for September 30th, 2021. New episodes every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Google Podcast, or whatever, Podbean and Google Podcast. Uh, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show every single Thursday. We'll be back, Mr. Marceau, next week here on the show to break down the WWE draft both nights of it and talk about the anniversary edition of Dynamite and so much more. So we look forward to Mr. Marceau. Great time as always. Any parting thoughts before we ride off into the sunset here? Got nothing for you. What's on uh, TV tonight for the for uh, for the NFL? Oh, Jacksonville and uh, Cincinnati. Tony Khan gonna be there? <laughs> that Mark? Uh, no, it's in uh, Cincinnati. Okay. We, we, I mean, maybe he'll be there, but who you got going over there? I got Bengals. Oh, Bengals easily. I talked to Angelo Dawkins yesterday, and he's a big Bengals fan, and he's he's super stoked with how they're doing for the season. And we we talked football for a little bit. I know you'd be proud of me. <laughs> Did you actually say anything on football note, or you just? Uh, no, I just said I said, "Oh, you," because he picked he picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago on like one of those WWE videos, 
And so I asked him about that. I'm like, oh, you sticking with the Bengals to go all the way? Because they're 2-1 and one right now. I looked up the record and like a big fucking mark. And he's like, oh, yeah, and I still see them winning. And that was about it. I didn't say I was a Chiefs fan, but I probably should have. He <laughs> <laughs> probably would have hung up if I said that. Probably would have. <laughs> Got to get my Pat Mahomes jersey out for their, for their next big game. Seriously, they're, they're on a slide right now. You, you're going to the next uh, XFL Guardians game with me, right? Yeah, whenever they come back. <laughs> Soon enough, brother. I got my hat all ready to go. Go Defenders, baby. I'm ready. Him and, uh, do you think maybe uh, Devontae Adams can make the move to the XFL? I would like to see it. Anything's possible. <laughs> Anything is possible, Mr. Marceau. Have a great one, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Right. See you. Adios.